Back here on The Word with G. Greg Lauren here. You there? Before I forget, and just to give you another quick score update, still 2-0 Lady Tigers as they lead Georgia Military, 2-0 top three. And also, I told you I was re- going to reset it if nobody got the won the Word with G Word of the Day contest, and nobody has come up with it yet. Our Word of the Day, in case you've forgotten, is comprehensive, covered widely or understood fully. I may or may not have already used it in this segment with Sam Dusenberry Jr. in the first segment. But if you hear it again, tweet at me, call us, and you will win a free Word with G t-shirt. I wanted to, badly, I wanted to, to play this, and I meant to play it in the first hour, but didn't get a chance to get to it, and I just tried to pull it up, and our computer is a little funky right now, where it will not allow me to record the show and play something from online, so... Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to play the sound of, I don't even know, is he, you know, the New York mayor or whatever politician Bill de Blasio is for New York City. Uh, he had some thoughts uh, and, and some comments for Trey Young ahead of game number two, and they were just so awfully cringy. And I, I retweeted them on my Twitter account. Go to at G underscore ESPN 1051 if you want to hear his cringe-worthy and, as Sam Dusenberry Jr. said, pandering type of comment. Sam, I wanted to play that for you, but as I said, could not. Uh, you've heard it. Just ugh, just awful, awful stuff from Bill de Blasio. Yeah, anytime a, uh, a mayor, uh, which is what, what Bill... He is the Bill mayor, de Blasio, that's right. Yeah, he is the mayor. Uh, he it was pandering, uh, big, big pandering energy. He sounded like someone who was reading off a prompter. He sounded like someone that was given some talking points uh, right before making those statements, it was contrived. It was it was a an attempt to endear himself to the public because he has not done so through his le- legislative practices. So um, this is desperate time calls for desperate measures, and this is a man trying to reach out to a city, to a fan base in particular, uh, to try to endear himself to them. And uh, once again, much like the rest of his tenure here in New York, uh, he failed. Showed up with the Knicks cap on as well. Ugh, not great. Um, I will say was, this. Was his brim straight or was it curved? If I remember. Brim is very important. It was, it was, it was a bit straight, wasn't it? Well, the style is straight. Okay, so, so it, was, it was a little curved. Mm. Was it? That, that sounds about right. I, I do not remember. I just watched the video one time when you retweeted it and I had enough. I couldn't even uh, go on past. Wait, let me see. I'll pull it up on your Twitter feed now. I was going to say, I'm, I'm almost oh, there. Oh, it's, it's, it's severely curved. It oh, is curved. A huge curve. Yeah. And it doesn't look like a fitted either. It looks to be like a snapback. Yeah, it's one of those cheap snapbacks. Yeah, that's something I'm, I'm sure he had somebody run down the Modell to go <laughs> grab that because there's no way he had that at home or anything like that. So, yeah, no chance. Bad look all the way around. No chance. He was trying to score some bonus points, and then I, anybody who's anybody could see right through that fake facade. Uh, let's go back to game number one. And um, the, it was a good game back and forth. Uh, it was close all the way through. Alec Burks got a, you know, had a really good showing for the Knicks. Julius Randle in his Knicks playoff debut came up very, very small in that one, although he did have a double-double and 15 points, 12 rebounds, but could not score the basketball. And then Trey Young had a really nice performance in Game 1 for the Hawks. Give me just your general thoughts and recap uh, from Game 1, Knicks-Hawks. 
Well, if it's two perspectives, right? If you're a Hawks team, if you're the Hawks, you're feeling great. And you want to do like the Mavericks did last night and try to stomp on a team that might be doubting itself a little bit. If you're the Knicks, you have to look at a missed opportunity. Because as you mentioned, Julius Randle, their best player, did not play like that. Now, whether that was because he was off or whether that was because of John Collins, that'll be a discussion for another day. But they lost a game where they had an other, as Shaq has coined them, reserve players, bench players. They had an other come to the rescue and give them 27 points. That's a game you have to win. If you're going to win this series, you're going to need a couple of Julius games where Julius is your best player and he's the best player on the floor, and he gets you two victories. But then those other two victories have to come from either the R.J. Barrett's, the Derrick Roses, or the Alec Burks of the world. And to have a game like that where Burks is playing out of his mind, because this is not who Alex Burke usually is. He's a solid player. He can score, but not 27 points in a playoff game with three threes. Like, no, 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 that's not Alec Burke. Because if that was, he would not be a Nick. Um, so the fact that they blew a game where one of the others played out of their mind, tricking off two, one of the potential two other games that you need to beat a team like the Hawks, it's a very troubling situation. I don't like to do the whole must-win you know, you can't go down 0-2 and win. I don't want to get into all that type of stuff. But I think it's very imperative that Julius Randle bounces back, just like Anthony Davis bounced back last night from a trash game one to kind of ready to steady the ship. You need to see that from Julius tonight. And why can't we get into John Collins' defense on Julius Randle? Because I think you know, I, I've been one of the advocates that the two two of the better players for this Hawks team in Trey Young and John Collins are sort of defensive liabilities. One, Trey just is so small, and he's just not very good defensively. But John Collins, who is a bit undersized for his position as well in terms of his slender body type, sometimes gets bullied around. But as you mentioned, he did a really good job on Julius Randle. I saw Gallinari with his big body kind of in his fresh new haircut get in, in, in front of uh, Julius Randle and make some things tough for him too. Well, I think the thing with John Collins is that John Collins and Julius Randle match up well. Uh Julius is not a traditional big. He's kind of a hybrid three slash four, you know, so he can, I mean, much like John Collins, because John Collins is that. He's essentially a three slash four. So that's why I don't think it's that much of a stretch to say John Collins should be able to play respectable, if not, you know, adequate defense on a Julius Randle because he has the size, uh, maybe not in weight, but he has the size in terms of wingspan and height to be able to keep, you know, Julius in front of him. And I think that's the key. Julius normally, you know, if he's going against a traditional four or five, he has the speed and the skill set in terms of ball handling to go around those types. Whereas you have John Collins, who, you know, has the same type of size and skill set like Julius. So it's not going to be Swiss cheese uh, for Julius to go crazy. He's going to have to earn his points. He's going to have to, like, really get his points in the flow of the offense. He can't go ISO because he doesn't have a clear mismatch. Now, maybe if he gets caught with Capella on him on a switch, then maybe he can ISO the ball up and he could go to work. But in terms of putting Julius on the left or right block with John Collins on him and saying, go score, yeah, that's not going to be a thing. Like, he can try it, but we saw how that worked in game one. Now, again, obviously an extremely small sample size, but I think – Julius Randle is going to have to get his points in the flow of the offense. And, gee, you know this 
probably better than most that's, that's, you know, hearing all voices. What offensive scheme does this team have? Talking about the Knicks? Or yeah, because, I mean, the, the, no, because I'm saying Julius is going to have to work in the flow of the mm-hmm. offense to get his points, right? He can't yeah. ISO up John Collins and expect to put up, you know, Julius numbers, 25-plus, 13 rebounds. He's not going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So then how else is he going to be able to get his points? And that's where I always go back to Tom Thibodeau, the meniscus tearing taskmaster. He is being lauded, not only for his defense, but now all of a sudden there's a, a, a camp of blue check boys who oh, think no. that he also oh, no. is sneaky offensively. Oh, no. And I'm like, off of what? Off the fact that Derrick Rose gets to go nuts, like he's back in Chicago and get his buckets, that Emmanuel quickly is becoming a Derrick Rose clone, but he gets to come in and go nuts. Like, if that's the offensive scheme that you're, that you're prophesizing here, and I'm saying Julius Randle's not going to be able to go nuts against John Collins over the longevity of this series, then what's plan B if you're the New York Knicks? Uh, R.J. Barrett stepping up and, and playing well, or maybe another Alec Burks 20-point game? That's probably about it. And, and, and that's why Alex, if Alex Burks is an other... That's the best game you're going to get from Alex Burks. Unless this becomes a T.J. Warren in the bubble type situation mm-hmm. with Alex Burks, <laughs> I think you've already gotten the best you're going to get from Alex Burks in this series. So we'll take him off the board. Now maybe quickly has another moment where he goes crazy in a short amount of minutes. Maybe Derrick Rose continues. Maybe he gives you 25-plus. But somebody, because it's not going to be R.J. either, because now that DeAndre Hunter is back, that's a guy that could play defense and mm-hmm. that can play defense really well against R.J. Barrett. So now you're talking about John Collins, if he can continue to play you know, adequately to make things difficult for Julius, if DeAndre Hunter is going to continue to be the, the defensive hound that we know he is against R.J. Barrett, where's the scoring going to come from? You could let Derrick Rose do that, but he's not going to kill you from three. And he's not really going to set other guys up. He'll get you a couple of dimes, but he's, not, he's never been that type of point guard. So where's the points going to come from? If you've already blown the Alex Burks game, now you're depending on we need a quickly game. That's asking a lot of a rook. Sam Dusenberry Jr., our guest, the Sam Dusen, the Sam D, a podcast host, hanging with us here on The Word with G. You want to get in on Knicks Hawks? Give us a ring, 423-648-1051. Again, make your voice heard. Join the conversation. Talk some b-ball with us, 423 648 1051. On the flip side of that, Sam, what do the Knicks have to do to kind of slow down a Trey Young, who had a great game in game one, not only scoring, and I mentioned this on my my little audiogram that I put up there from the show on Monday, that I thought his playmaking ability was awesome and that he is not the best shooter on the Hawks and that he doesn't need to go out there and get suckered into taking Steph Curry range threes all the time and making only a handful of them that his ability to break down a defense, get into the paint, either hit that floater, put on the brakes, get fouled, go to the foul line, or sucker in that defense and then kick to an open shooter in the corner on a wing, that's his best ability and his his best offense for the Atlanta Hawks. And that's been one of the few changes that I've seen since they let Lloyd Pierce go, is that the Trey Young that we saw pre-Nate McMillan and now, I guess, post, the firing of Lloyd Pierce, the one slight change that I've seen is that the threes don't come in bunches anymore and that he's looking to pass. Now, I don't know if that's an indictment on Lloyd Pierce. I can't imagine Lloyd Pierce wasn't trying to tell him the same exact thing 
that maybe McMillan, who was on the same staff with Lloyd Pierce, was saying, but maybe a, a different messenger was able to get through, right? So he got 32-plus, that 32 points in game one, and only hit one three. I don't know if he has a stat line ever in a similar fashion because we know Trey for being Steph Curry light, diet Steph Curry. So that requires multiple threes, and he didn't do that. As you said, he got himself into the paint. He got more into his uh, point fraud CP3 bag where he's able to dribble and penetrate to get to that mid-range and either go to the floater or, as you said, kick it out and get other guys involved. That's when you get to the point guard level. You know me on this show and, you, and anyone who's been listening to your show had knows that my number one critique against Trey Young is that he's not a real point guard because he doesn't think pass first or get others involved first. He thinks, let me get my shot off. And while he's able to do that against most defenses, that to me was always going to hold that team back. If he could continue to stay in this type of lane where he's not only thinking for himself but also of others, now you're talking about a team with the talent around him that could potentially advance in the second round. No further than that because they don't have the horses. But in regards to just being a team that they somewhat match up with on paper in terms of philosophy, but I think on talent they're way better than this. Mm-hmm. So if, if, they, if he's able to stay in his zone, now he's going to be tempted to go crazy tonight. He's going to be tempted to be diet Steph Curry again, especially with the crowd now is going to probably even be even louder against him tonight. So the adrenaline might get the best of him to where he tries to go out there and starts chucking up threes from the logo. That's not going to be the guy that, that can beat them. He needs to be the guy he was in game one. Again, Sam Dusenberry Jr. hanging with us here on The Word with G. All right, so let me ask you this, the poll question of the day. What's the biggest key for the Hawks to have success tonight in Game 2 against the Knicks at the Garden? The Trey Young's playmaking ability, which we just talked a lot about, playing more up-tempo for the Hawks, shutting down Julius Randle once again, or the supporting cast standing, uh, stepping up. What say you? Well, I was tied between the first one with Trey Young playmaking and the last one with, with, with the party cast because I think the, the ball is in the Hawks' hands. Um, you know, I was high on this team coming into the season. You, you very much well know that. Uh, so I expected this team to be in the playoffs. I expected this team to be a, a top six seed in the Eastern Conference. So the fact that they still have a Gallinari, the fact that they still have, they were able to go get Lou Will, and now DeAndre Hunter is, is showing signs of looking like his former self, I think the supporting cast needs to continue to be there. Now, you need more than five points from DeAndre Hunter, but if his whole mindset is, I'm just going to lock in on um, killing R.J. Barrett. I'm not going to let him get off. Then I say, okay, fine. I don't need you to go for you know double-digit points then. If he's just going to be a defensive wing stopper at, for this series, okay, cool. You need Bogdanovich to continue. You hit four threes, 18 points. You need that to continue, if not more. Lou Will was essential in that game one mm-hmm. because he was very stagnant, and he helped kind of keep them in that game and bring them back yep. just by penetrating. He was doing the same thing Trey was doing, penetrating, get into that mid-range or going all the way to the cup and finishing. So Lou Will needs to be that type of guy. He needs to be that microwave-type player. And your boy Herter, he played well. Spot minutes, spot duty, but he played well. You know, so I think the supporting cast more so than Trey Young. Obviously, we just talked about Trey, but in regards to the overall for the longevity of not only tonight, but the series going forward, the others, the guys that they brought in, the Bogdanoviches, they need to continue to be that 
for Trey Young. They need to continue to help pushing things forward for him. Should be a fun one tonight at the Garden. You know it'll be rowdy, especially after what Trey Young said. Oh, it got real quiet in there, and they were antagonizing him big time in that game. We'll see what happens in game number two. We'll move on to the rest of the NBA playoffs. Coming up next with Sam Dusenberry Jr., the Lakers bounce back. Meanwhile, the other L.A. team, the as Sam calls them, the Old English font. They've got themselves a big problem as they're heading into game three, down 0-2, and have to go to Big D. Talk to Sam about that and the matchups coming up tonight when we return right here on The Word with G on ESPN 105.1 The Zone. Last couple of minutes of The Word with G to wrap up a Wednesday show. Rejoining us quick, fast, and in a hurry is the host of the Sam D Podcast, Sam Dusenberry Jr., up on the AirPods game, strong and steady. Let's get to a couple of the L.A. teams from last night. First and foremost, the Lake Show rebound against the CP3-less Suns, and it seems to be, Sam, another playoff run and another Chris Paul injury. What do you got on that? Well, when you anger the basketball guys by habitually kicking, punching, elbowing, opponents in their nether regions, when you continuously flop, when you continuously shortchange players by becoming the player president of this NBPA, this is what you get. Don't anger the basketball gods. This is now a second, as you mentioned, the second playoff run where much is expected of not only him, but the team that he's on. And this is the second postseason where he's going to spit the bit and not be able to hang in tough. And this series is a wrap. And this is it's deservedly so for what the point fraud over his career has done. And with the Lakers, you mentioned earlier Anthony Davis coming back and, and answering the bell and having a solid game. He played really well. Uh, LeBron didn't really do anything special. I know he hit four threes, a big one late in that game. And DeAndre, uh, Andre Drummond seemed to play really well in that first half. Dennis Schroeder was more on his offensive game. Nice all-around game, and, and I'm kind of in that in your camp as well as I think the Lakers, have, they've got this one under wraps now. I don't think Phoenix is going to be able to come back, especially without Chris Paul. Too much talent. Yeah. Too much talent. You know, Andre Drummond is big, and, and DeAndre Ayton has played well, but he's just too, he's too little for Andre Drummond. Anthony Davis is, the, in my opinion, still the second-best player in the world. He didn't look like it in game one, but he damn sure looked like it last night. So... You know, it's too much. And then LeBron is still LeBron. He's still the guy that can, you can give the ball to in the clutch, and he knows what to do with the ball. And uh, you saw him encouraging Catavis Caldwell-Pope. He had a bad game shooting, but LeBron encouraged him. So look for a big game three for KCP. So this is what they do. And then the Lakers with, are the best team in the West and the perennial NBA favorites. And then with the Los Angeles Clippers, you mentioned, mentioned ang- angering the basketball gods with the Clippers intentionally threw some games there at the end so they could avoid the Lakers and to get the, the Mavericks. And it seems like they've maybe run into a buzzsaw with a healthy KP and Luka doing what he does. And, you know, you had about as good of a game as you can get from, from Kawhi. You had a good game from Paul George. He was he was crossing dudes left and right, make him slip, fall, and, and, and fall down on a slippery court last night. But they just look like they are lost defensively, and it seems like this one might be a wrap in Big D as well. What you think? I will give them one more chance. If they can get the 2-1 and maybe even 2-2, I'll give them a chance. But if they go down 3-1, it's a wrap. Um, you know, look, they're, they're just not talented. They're, they're, they, they don't have enough horses. You know, they thought Kawhi 
and Paul George, Pandemic P, as he's been affectionately known on social media, they thought those two would be enough. You know, Steve Ballmer put $2 billion up and thought he was going to buy himself a championship. Um, he did not learn the lesson from the Russian who tried to buy the Brooklyn Nets and thought he was going to make them into huh. a champion. So th- this is just what it is. They just don't have enough horses. It took them six games to beat the Mavericks last year when Luka was hobbling around there. So now he's back healthy. He's got a healthy Porzingis. Tim Hardaway Jr. shooting the lights out, and they can't stop anything. They are a fraudulent group from top to bottom, and they deserve it. Sam Dusenberry Jr. again with us. Last couple of moments here of the show, and um, our man Barry Schultz up on Twitter, at BarryPhotog3, saying, why don't you ever talk about the Memphis Grizzly? Who care, care, uh, Memphis Grizzly, who cares about the Hawks? Ja runs circles around Trey Young. Grizz swept the Hawks. Let's talk about Ja and Dylan Brooks. So let's, uh, you know, Barry, we, we're imploring you to call if you want to talk about the Grizz. We'll be more than happy to talk about them. 423-648-1051. But they took a game against the Donovan Mitchell-less Jazz in Game 1 in Utah. They're going to be looking to go up 2-0 tonight at 10 o'clock on TNT. What do you think of how the Grizz have played and had to fight, scratch, and claw their way here with Ja doing what he's doing with the high bun? You got Dylan Brooks playing as well as he's playing right now, locking dudes down, playing well offensively, and then my guy Jonas Valanciunas just doing work in the paint. All of that is great, but I think the one guy we're not mentioning and who didn't look good if you just look at the box score, Triple J is back. Jaron Jackson Jr. is so important to how that roster fills out. He doesn't necessarily have to be the best player because John Moran's the best player. But it allows other guys to kind of float in space. He can be outside or inside. He's a hybrid big. He allows Valanciunas to just man the paint and not worry about getting caught on switches and having to rotate and do weak side help and things like that. He doesn't have to do that. Triple J opens up so many things. But that backcourt, that Brooks and John Morant backcourt, is killing the Utah Jazz. Now, they need Donovan. They need Donovan Mitchell back in the major way, and this is why I was trying to push all season. Why is he not in the MVP conversation? And this is why. You see what they're missing with him not on the floor. They don't have a guard who can go be a dog and go get you a bucket. As great as Mike Conley is, former highest-paid player in the league, (laughs) he's not that guy. Rudy Gobert, defensive player of the year, two, maybe now three times. He's just not that guy. It's Donovan Mitchell is the key to that team and makes them run. Donovan is nice, but he's a second or third piece at best. You need your number one option to be there. They don't have that in Donovan Mitchell. And that's why a healthy Grizzly team with Morant, Brooks, Triple J, Valanciunas, even Grayson Allen getting bucked. Slow-mo. This is a dangerous, and let's never forget, never never forget slow-mo. And this is a very, very dangerous Grizzly team. And if Utah keeps playing around here, they can end up being a, yet another one seed that goes down by the hands of the eight. Sam Dusenberry Jr. has been our guest. He is a award-nominated podcast host of the Pod, Sam D Podcast. Follow him up on Twitter at the Sam D T H E E S A M D at the Sam D Podcast as well up on Twitter. Sam, great job as always. Thanks so much for the time and the insight, my man. Be good. Appreciate it, sir. Take care.